0: So it's also interesting, uh, Gal, do you want to talk about what you just heard from Bausman there? Because I think you have some good insights into his positions.
1: Yeah. I mean, what Grant was saying, Poland also, you know, one of uh, Bannon's operatives, Matthew Tierman, is a dual citizen there and very connected to... Mm. Catholic church and you know, they had recently made being, I think it was gay, illegal in a couple of places there. So they're really facing some hardships with some of this right wing kind of ideology that's coming in and making those moves and certainly Bannon um, enjoys that. With uh, Basman too, I did find on an old Twitter account he had that he was tweeting people like Richard Spencer back oh, really? in you know 2017. So it certainly aligns with that you know that ideology. And when he's spoken with Alex Jones, he talks about the procreating and the you know how Putin you know they had a low rate and then Putin started paying people to have babies and how wonderful mm. an idea that was and it was eight thousand dollars cash for the second. It was very interesting. So you can tell. He's, you know, maybe not saying it directly, but indirectly, certainly saying, like, you know, don't mix and stay here, and you can get paid, to, you know, continue this white ethno state. Yeah. right
0: it is an interesting he's also been uh you know he's not even accused he is one of these people who thinks that the conversation around the holocaust should be reopened up very disturbingly so you know it's also a, he wrote an essay about uh, you know that the taboo about speaking about jews is needs to be lifted and the jews control the meat it's all the very typical uh, you know talking points you'd hear but you know he seems to embrace those and push those let me read
2: something for you from yeah. newsweek Mm -hmm. Okay. It was published shortly after the Charlottesville riots by all the white nationalists. And I'm just going to, it's a one paragraph excerpt. And this is about Richard Spencer. As soon as you showed Dugan, I was like, I got to tell these guys Richard Spencer is very connected. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 2014, Richard Spencer invited Dugan to an international far right conference he planned to hold in Hungary. However, international sanctions prevented Dugan from attending and Hungarian police raided the meeting. Dugan has since become a frequent contributor to Spencer's altright.com website and has also contributed to his online journal Radix. Spencer Hmm. has returned the favor, penning an article for Dugan's KTN website. Hmm. That is interesting. So very friendly there.
0: Yeah, I think that circle that we showed around Konstantin Milofiev is very revealing um, at the end of the day. I think we really are seeing... This was an operation that really, you know, I think, organized and orchestrated by Milofiev to really push America into the extremes and also to present a position to uh, Russia itself through his independent news organization there, which is like Fox News, really, pushing the same sort of, you know, very orthodox, very traditionalist, very monarchy based theories. And I think Jack Hannock runs that station, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Well, you know, if I was making the picture, I would put Dr. Edward Lizansky in the middle there mm. because. Malafayev is definitely an organizer. I don't know
0: how operational he is, but he's a financier. Right. You know, before you jump into uh, yeah. Zansky, because I do want to go very deeply into him and we'll probably run a little late tonight because we want to do that. But I want to show you one other thing about Charles Balsman, which is very critical because there he was on January the 6th, you know, shooting video inside the Capitol and doing so in a, in a way that you know looks to me like he's very triumphant. I'm going to play you the tape that we were able to put together of him running around kicking the capital in the middle of a coup attempt of a storming of the capital. There is this Russian operative shooting video, maybe even streaming it back home. Let's take a look at what that videotape looks like now. Oh, wow.
2: He was at that uh, area. Yeah, we've just been seeing the... We've just been seeing these
0: videos come out uh, from the security footage. Right. Yeah, and and he's right there when this is happening. As those gates are coming down, as the Capitol Police are sort of being forced to escape, you just see him around the pillar. And as the camera turns around, you'll see that. He just appears and and starts shooting video. That's him under that arrow there. And that's right close to the action. I mean, it's really surprising that you could get in there so early. I'm holding up that uh, phone constantly streaming or shooting video. And that's how they were able to identify him. Yeah. That's how they were able to identify him through those two shots. Yes, of course, that's it. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm going to throw Carter back in here. I know Carter, you know uh, Charles Bowsman. You've spoken to him, you've met him. Is that him that we just saw in that video?
3: Yeah, that was definitely him. And, you know, I spoke to Charles after the SPLC story came out. He said he was at the Capitol. Uh, his claim was that he was there, uh, you know, filming it. He had been contracted, I guess, by a Russian TV news station to, uh, you know, go document stuff. Hmm. Which one did he say? I don't recall. He did an interview with them like it's from his house i don't know if you guys came across that it's like 30 minute piece yeah if you've seen that i believe yeah. it was that solution
0: well, that's what we're trying to play uh, here r-o-s-s-i-y-a
1: Ross- russia
0: russia russia
1: russia russia one mm-hmm. and i think oh, it's that's interesting channel one too. that's
2: the putin channel basically channel yeah, one in russia
1: putin channel. Yeah. yeah a lot of his footage is in that channel one He shot one in Russian. Um, It was all in Russian. And then he had it all translated. It's almost like he reshot it and then maybe shot it twice with him speaking English sometime in like late July or, and then I found it just about a month ago. But it's also interesting to note, just knowing that, you know, he's kind of frequents the uh, alt-right, I guess, younger generation circles that in those clips, he's very close nearby the groipers
2: which is what. So, just Gripers something to are. note.
1: I mean, it, what's the, the, what's the are
2: they're your open neo Nazis. Okay, all right, interesting. I mean, pretty much.
0: Uh,
1: Nick Quintus is
2: the group. Yep.
0: Mm. So it's interesting, this guy basically came out there to Pennsylvania to really start shoring up at the extremist neo-Nazi movement in America, it seems to me. You know, he had this meeting with the National Justice Party. He started talking about a Holocaust denial in Russia Insider. You know, themes he keeps picking on are very common to those groups. Is that your understanding, part of what he was doing? I mean, aside from running this magazine or this online magazine, he says it was a movement that he was beginning, political movement of some sort. So is that what you were thinking he was doing?
3: Well, in the conversations I've had with him, he's always been a little defensive, I guess, about his motives or what exactly his plan is. He always makes it want to seem like it's, uh, you know, everything's on the up and up. It's just normal. Yeah, whole controversial beliefs, but, you know, there's nothing to it. But I haven't gotten him to be, I guess, honest with me about exactly what things he's been doing. Like, for instance, with that footage from the Capitol, you know, he told me he was there to work for this Russian television program where the footage later ended up, but I asked him to be able to prove to me that he wasn't just there as somebody storming the Capitol who later gave their footage over. I asked him to, um, you know, can you send me some emails or like an invoice or a text message prior to January 6th mm. where they ask you to go do this? And, you know, he never provided me that documentation. So, and I say that to kind of illustrate how he approaches-
1: Good question, the by the way. Yeah, that
3: <laughs> is a
2: good that, That's a great question, but let me help explain what's going on there yes. a little bit. Uh, what's going on under the hood because okay. That document would be incriminating, okay? Mm. You see, there's this law in America, it's called the Foreign Agents Registration Act. And it applies to people who advance the interests of a foreign person, corporation or government, uh, specifically in the public arena. So there's part of it that's just lobbying right? For example, Novartis Corporation gave, I think, a million dollars or some large sum to Michael Cohen many years ago, and potentially he may have violated Farah by speaking with the executive branch about their interests, their foreign corporation. He didn't register under Farah or the Lobbying Disclosure Act. Hmm. Um, The LDA kind of covers that activity a little bit. But, you know, being a foreign press agent and publicist is something that's covered under Farah. And it's especially, it's specifically covered when you're doing it inside of the United States. And of course there's, you know, people that are actually working directly with governments could be accused of what they call espionage light, section 951, which is uh, being, you know, there's a stronger one, there's just espionage, but it's like being the unregistered agent of a foreign power versus, you know, being a publicist or lobbyist. It's like Farah is, you know, they treat it more civilly where they say, okay, you did this. You made a mistake, and now you got to register. You got to disclose everything. And you know, if you don't tell the truth, then you could be in trouble. Right. But the unregistered agent one is like Maria Butina, where they charged her with being the agent of Russia, mm-hmm. carrying out the government of Russia's plans, and then they convicted her, sent her to jail for a year and a half. So, and he
3: actually brought her up. One of the reasons he told me he was hesitant to come back to the United States, you guys know he left after January 6th and is in Russia, obviously. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons yeah. he told me he was hesitant to come back is because he didn't want to find himself in a Maria Butina type <laughs> situation. That was one of his concerns that the FBI would do that to him. Well,
0: that would be a real concern. But, you know, I
3: think he always wants, in my conversations with him at least, he always wants to give the impression that his activities are always grassroots and there's nothing nefarious behind them, of course. But then, you know, he'll never provide anything to back up that narrative.
0: Yeah. And, you know, then he runs off and does a a documentary with Russian uh, state television with all that footage. It doesn't sound like he's just, uh, you know, a grassroots activist.
2: One of the things that they're investigating Rudy Giuliani for is his involvement with a movie that was Mm. being made, you know, with OAN. So, I mean, it's one of these things where, you know, he's probably fairly familiar with these laws. People in this space tend to familiarize themselves, and the crime is knowingly and willingly not registering as the agent of a foreign power or the publicist, et right. cetera. So, right. Interesting. You know, he probably is grassroots in the sense that he's like this astroturf mat, and then he tries to throw some grass on top of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's <laughs> exactly. that's that's the kind of grassroots that I've seen a lot of from Russia. Because you'll see these propagandists who have like they have a circle of readers about this big. And you know, you look at like some of them used to have page counts because that was like the old style of doing a blog. You'd have the page count there, and you'd be like nine hundred readers. <laughs> but you know, you have to think about this: nine hundred readers is nine hundred people. If you filled them a yeah. room with them, it would be pretty packed. And then, he, and, and that's numbers. their whole strategy. Yeah, just you know, branch out to the oil spot thing, but up
0: here instead of you know, in some insurgency. Yeah. So brave and courageous and not brave is the wrong word to use, but so uh, brazen, brazen. Thank you. I'm having that kind of night.
1: Um,
0: Let's talk a little bit about uh, Lasansky and then. So got it. Tell us who this guy is. He's fascinating. Dr. Lasansky is a very interesting
2: character. You know, he was first brought to my attention by my co-author and many of the stories that I've written about him. Probably all of the stories I've written about him personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name is Patrick L. Simpson. You can find him on Twitter at Patrick L. Simpson. And we wound up writing two major installments, and we're still researching number three, by the way, all these years later. Mm. But we wound up writing two major installment series about Dr. Losansky, where he came from, his friends, his circles of friends. And, you know, in the beginning of 2017, a lot of people were just digging up everything there was to do with anything republican and russia and patrick came to me and said i think this guy is interesting can you edit my story that i wrote about him and maybe publish it i was like okay sure i'll take a look at this and so i took it and i started editing for style and then i'm like oh well you know uh, let's get some background here and let's add some background there doing my editor thing okay you know this needs more background and it, it was just like, every time I added a little bit more background and just pulled another thread, I'm like, this guy's like the Zelig of Russia and Republicans. What mm. is going on here? Absolutely. Yeah. And so that led to the first 10 part series that he and I published in the spring of 2017, which is 25,000 words. Wow. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, what we discovered was pretty shocking this man has a fake university just as fake as Trump university called the American university in Moscow. Mm -hmm. And when we did some searches in the Russian phone books over there, you know, like online, what we discovered is that he had two office spaces and one of them was very close to the Kremlin in a very Mm -hmm. nice facility, which he shared with, I'm sure a very nice propagandist for Mr. Putin who was serving then in Eastern Ukraine Ah. and for our viewers reference, people that were doing work in Eastern Ukraine generally tended to get sanctioned by the United States quite significantly and frequently around those days. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he was there, you know, cohabitating space, I mean, listen, you know, it's the same thing as if you have like a great location in DC, maybe like three or four blocks from the white house, like in the right area. So this guy was just fascinating to us. And what we found was that actually in the early 1990s, there were americans lobbyists that worked with henry kissinger who registered themselves as foreign agents of the russian federation to help Mm. set up russia house a foreign trade ministry for russia in the united states and russia house exists today but as a restaurant yet even the russia house proprietors when they were interviewed by local news in dc said but we still give the keys to good old dr luzansky who comes by once in a while that's interesting and i can't tell you 25,000 words here. I don't have the time. I don't think our listeners want to hear all 25. But what we discovered is that this gentleman arrived in America in the beginning of 1977, which was a crucial time in U.S.-Soviet relations, Mm -hmm. namely right after the church commission and very shortly. It was like he arrived within weeks of Jimmy Carter's inauguration. Mm -hmm. And that was not a great time for the United States during the Cold War because there was a huge purge of the intelligence services and the Soviets, of course, did not purge their intelligence services. They took advantage of it. And a lot of people have seen a television show called The Americans, Mm -hmm. and it was about sleeper agents who were planted right around that time. I always think of him as the Americans that got away. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Lozanski showed up then with a very suspect story about his wife, his story of exile and departure. I mean, it just doesn't check out. You could talk to anybody with ties to the Soviet Union, anybody who lived there at the time, and when you tell them that a nuclear physicist from the top nuclear lab in the Soviet Union, whose father-in-law was known as the KGB general, he was an army general in charge of essentially what we would call homeland security today, Mm -hmm. and the story went that the general told him to divorce the daughter and you're going into exile now (laughs) i mean the soviet union just did not do such (laughs) things oh and he didn't get a promotion because of the incident the soviet union tended to retaliate very stiffly against people's families you know if you had connections you could be considered a foreign agent just like putin has revived over the last several years for the two stories we reviewed archives in Harvard, Stanford, Columbia, Wyoming University, the National Archives. I mean, just, you know, multiple presidential archives. Yeah, we really, you know, just looking all over the globe. What we discovered in the University of Rochester, where he landed in Western New York as a professor, is that the people whom he said he was representing, essentially, Mm -hmm. in the early 1980s, late 70s, had no idea who he was. He created an Andrei Sakharov, I forget the name of it, but it was the Andrei Sakharov Foundation, let's call mm-hmm. it. Right. And the Nobel Prize winning dissident physicist, mm-hmm. right? And when Sakharov's last uh, wife arrived in America, she had no idea who he was. And it's all sitting there in the archives, the University of Rochester, wow. in wow. the minutes of their meetings from the mid-1980s. Wow. So this that's is an amazing all, find. What, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is just incredible stuff. And so you've hmm. got this huge chart there. I can't go over every single person, but the most important relationship he had was with a man named Paul Weyrick. And Paul Weyrich became the co founder of Heritage Foundation. He founded ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is a very active corporate lobby in 50 states today. He founded a group called the Free Congress Foundation. Which the head of that group actually ran for president in 2016 against Trump, uh, huge the former groups. governor of Virginia. Yeah, we talk about Alec. I mean, yeah. Alec is the Coke basic. You know, the front line. Alec of the is battle. Yeah. massive. Yes, yeah. Alec is the mechanism where Republicans take an idea from one state and then try to expand it to 50 state houses.
0: And Alec was also involved in January the sixth in various ways. So it's and really interesting. Wayrick was a oh, co-founder
2: Weyrich. of okay, the, the, the ca- yeah. Council for National okay, Policy as well. Guys, okay. okay. So, I mean, Wayrick is this towering figure in, you know, the right. And, you know, we track them down. We track their movements over a period of decades, right? I mean, all sorts of strange happenings. But I'll just say this. Weirich went on C-SPAN, so the fall of the Soviet Union, to say that his people, and this is just simplifying things greatly, there's reporting, but his people were trapped, but they thought that they had gotten them safe from the local authorities or whatever was going on. And uh, that person that he was talking about turned out to be the head of privatization for all of Russia oh, wow. <laughs> within just a few years. And I'll leave you with this thought. We found an amazing, amazing letter that was from Dr. L and Paul Weyrich. And it was on like official letterhead. I think it was the Free Congress Foundation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it just said, invited. All members of the Republican Senate and House Armed Services, uh, Intelligence and Foreign Affairs Committees, we're going to have lunch at so and so in the House office building to talk about how we're going to help restructure the Russian military, police, and security services. Do mm-hmm. attend. <laughs> And that's something we found in the University of Wyoming because they maintain Mr. Weyrick's archives. Oh, that's so interesting. What an interesting archive so, to get hands on. So hand this of. guy Lozansky is just very fascinating, and he was very very mainstream for many many years. Mm. Um, he taught at the Sorbonne. That you know, not taught, but lectured at the Sorbonne in Paris. But it's also interesting um, that he's very tied to to Charles Bausman. I mean, and you look at the. Well, Bausman would be just one of his subordinates, let's say. Mm. Edward Lysansky is really the more important figure. Baussman is just somebody out there putting the ideas out there. It's like one of the troops throwing shot down the field, right? Right. Dr. Lysansky actually wrote the book that is the doctrine that they used over the last 15 years to engage in a propaganda war against the United States. I mean, the book is literally called Russian Ethnic Lobbying in the United States, and it was published, we've discovered, by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs publisher. Whenever we bring this up to somebody in the field, they just find it incredibly, incredibly suspicious. All
0: of it. Well, you also had this organization, right? The uh, compatriots organization. I can't remember the exact name. Uh, KSORS. Yeah, KSORS, which
2: was the
1: The
0: coordinating…
2: yeah, Council right. of Russian compatriots. Compatriots. Right. Which, which was, yeah, for one a long time was died. a decent
0: organization. It was like, did, did actually decent work, I think, or so they claimed. But then so, started, somewhere along the line flipped into a complete Russian intelligence op.
2: Well, you know, I'm glad that we have the time to discuss it now yeah. because I had a very long chat with a source up in DC mm-hmm. who gave me a lot of background information on it. And like you said, at one point it was just a normal organization. So we discovered case wars just totally by accident. I mean, when I say discovered, it was more like we were looking for an example to go along with all of the different propaganda stuff that we're writing about. We're talking about two 25,000 word series, mm-hmm. right? And in the second one, I'm just gonna skim this for your viewers. We discovered that Dr. Lozansky met with Alexander Torshin, mm-hmm. the Russian who was called Putin's emissary and infiltrated the NRA. He met with him in the fall of 2009 it's on the russian federation council's website probably to this day you know we archive it of course mm-hmm. then in the spring of that year torsion showed up in the united states for the first time right and then he attended the world russia forum he did nice. a panel with dana Rohrabacher. this is 2010 right nice. so you know Wait. we actually like predated like the washington post found what this guy torsion had been doing in 2011 but we filled in all the blanks before that hmm. and he goes back to Lazansky. <laughs> Right. A miracle, right? I mean, he actually was trying to make contact with Sarah Palin's office in 2009, of all things, and did make contact with the
0: lieutenant governor of Alaska. This is interesting that the the organization K Sword is no longer really operating. That the FBI well, been investiga- has been investigating them a lot, right? And it's yes, the financing such well, as they such shut down. that they claim to be harassed and that they've decided to disband. Is that is that's that what you've been yeah. finding
2: out about them? So, when I first reported on them with this series, which, Mm -hmm. again, I wrote with uh, Patrick L. Simpson, Mm -hmm. you know, when we first found them, I actually found them mentioned in an article in, I believe it's Kommersant, which is one of the bigger Russian uh, newspaper online Mm -hmm. news sources. And they said that their organization was coordinating with the Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs and that they were you know doing so great that they had even gotten nonprofit status in the state of New York <laughs> so i took that and at the time we were speaking with president biden's uh, then vice president biden's former national security advisor a gentleman who was the nsc russia specialist for a while And also held the position of Assistant Secretary of Defense for conventional weapons negotiations, I guess, or oversight, uh, specifically related to Russia. You know, like missiles and such. In the middle of things. Very much in the middle of things. He actually just got Senate confirmed as the ambassador to the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, OSCE. Mm -hmm. Which means that Ambassador Carpenter is actually one of the people negotiating with the Russians this week about mm-hmm. what is happening in ukraine so dr carpenter was a wonderful source for us i have to tell you and uh you know i presented k and in our writing to say well do you believe that this is a potential example or a good example of an unregistered foreign agent mm-hmm. like a group that is operating on behalf of foreign government in the political propaganda space I mean, you know, I didn't go so far as to say, do you think that they're like unregistered agents like Butina, but basically, yeah, and he just said, Yeah, you know, based on what they're saying here, they're saying that we're just doing what the Russian foreign ministry tells us to do. Mm. That looks pretty odd, Mm. right? You know, this was like part five of a 25,000 word uh, series. So we put it away. And that was in May of 2018. And then we spent the next month fact checking and copy editing and story editing for, you know, 25,000 words. It's a book, like you said. Mm-hmm. That's about 130 page long book. And so, of course, this is part five. And we get to the end and we're like, well, let's check in on KSORs and see what they're up to. And we go to their page and there it is. They've just put Dr. Lozanski on the board. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Talk That's about political good. science.
1: I, I actually, I might have chapter six for you, Grant. I just thought I'd let you know because um, it collides with a story that I was able to break. I'm sure I didn't see him on your spread there, but Mikhail Margulis—he just passed away in mid-November. Mikhail. Oh Mar- yes, yes, I Magulis saw about that. Yeah. was who? Yeah, he died. He was part of Kasors back in 2018. Around then. Um, he had multiple organizations in Florida before he died. Um, he died two days after his business partner, Keith Ingersoll, was indicted on 41 charges of wire fraud. And so glad you're bringing this the story Joel up. And connected to the Joel Greenberg case. Yes. It's connected, connected to Joel Greenberg. Yeah. shut yeah. down
2: right after that, yeah. by the way. How yeah. was Correct. it connected to Joel yeah, Greenberg? Yeah, and actually,
1: sure. Well, Keith Ingersoll received a, like, a bunk contract from Joel Greenberg's tax office. He's very involved in... Central Florida politics, South Florida politics. I've spoken with sheriff's candidates over there that dealt with him and Jacob Ingalls and Roger Stone and some of those guys. And then when you talk about, I'm looking actually at Mr. Simpson's, one of his pieces that you guys did. I noticed you bring up Kate Ferranda and I have a Katerina Ferranda who went to Belarus with Mikhail Mergulis for a blockchain mm-hmm. agreement, a crypto nebula with uh, Alexander Landa, who was also in trouble for kind of uh, Stealing from elderly people. So I might have a few chapters to add for you. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting. But, is, yeah. is, is,
0: is that right? Oh, Ingersoll died. Yeah. He,
1: no, no, no. Ingersoll is still alive. Oh, um, sorry. So, yes. died. Magoulis
0: died. Magoulis died. Yes. And is, is considered, mm-hmm. I think, amongst people who know these things, you know, another operative for Russia. And it seems to me like that's well, not an inconsistent thing with his death. I mean, I'm thing. sure it was a natural yes. cause and whatever, but you know. and he's a
1: very spiritual religious yeah Yeah, he was old sure but he also was just in kiev ukraine like two weeks before he passed away and he looked fine to me he was handing out Mm -hmm. food and stuff but one thing i will say is that it looked uh, good
2: this weekend i heard so you know
1: (laughs) i think it (laughs) (laughs) happened yeah covid but (laughs) But, um he actually wrote he's the one who said that he went and prayed with the kgb So he's the one who was in, you know, with Gorbachev and he was praying. He's got a whole thing. I mean, I've got it everywhere. If I can send it to you, I'm happy to send it over to you. But it's the old Christian Today magazines from the early 90s, 92, I think it was. And he's in there with all those guys. And he said he was there praying with the KGB. And he was the honorary consul to Belarus for Florida and New York. But he also ran a couple of chamber of commerce down in south florida he was also who introduced christian million to roger stone with dirt on hillary mm-hmm. and rallied russians to vote for trump in 2016.
0: You mean sergey
2: million a lot,
1: a lot there yeah sorry i said that wrong
0: yeah you know it's uh, yeah. it's interesting that there you know clearly is a lot of movement around a lot of these operatives and you know some of them are either being taken mm-hmm. home like Bowsman some of them are no longer alive there is one yeah. other operative I just want to point to that connects to and I, I don't want to leave what you're saying behind, uh, Gal, because we'll come right back to it. But there's a, you know, this is a, one of the promoters for Porton's cruise rally. And he was also on the board of the KSORs. But he's one of these organizers who helped put that
2: together. Yeah,
1: actually, yeah. yeah, so I think oh, he's I another actually, sort of bowelsman.
0: He's a, it'll come to me in
2: a second. Like I said, I, I spoke with somebody who had been involved and left the group because it was becoming not on the up and up Mm -hmm. and what he said was that you know a lot of this was based on the line of propaganda that kremlin loves i mean they just come back to it over over again which is uh Mm -hmm. the bridge over the the river Elbe, and the great patriotic war and they were involved with something called the immortal regiment which was this authentic Mm -hmm. commemoration in russia and they kind of hijacked it and turned it into a propaganda centerpiece and I mean, that really explains probably 95% of the people involved with KSORs, but then there's the folks like him, there's the Lozansky, there's the Olga Zadispina and, you know, Margulis and the others who were using the group for
0: their own nefarious. His purpose. name is Sergei Gladysh. Uh, G-L-A-D-Y-S-H. Oh. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, uh, definitely uh, had, you know, some sort of fake front uh, organization in Seattle, I think, or Portland. Uh, where they were running these sort of, some of the things that Bowsman were doing, they were sort of on the, you know, trying to organize these rallies in support of Trump and, and doing these kind of events that would make, you know, it would have people show up. So it's interesting that the, that cruise rally was one of his. I'm not sure if he's still in town. I have seen a picture of him and Anna Chapman together which is interesting um, in terms of connecting him <laughs> to former Russian agents or Russian agents in general. So let's leave it there well, because there's so much more we've got to talk about tomorrow, if you're able I to- I have a back. pretty
1: little bow for you though. Uh,
0: okay, give us a bow. I, a, okay.
1: I just, to wrap in all of our people is, um, we'll just tell you who Keith Ingersoll's aunt is and that is Paula White.
0: Oh, the the, the, the uh, pro-Trump uh,
2: preacher, the yeah, really extreme one. The advisors advisors, to these, to advisor Yes, Advisor, yes. Yeah,
1: and I will say in that video with Charles Basman, she's featured in it, so we can talk about that tomorrow.
0: That is going to be great because we're going to get a look at this video now we've got all this done all that video that i couldn't get paid today it's great <laughs> everyone's going to know what's going on by tomorrow you'll all be studied up and we'll play some of these incredible videos so. the clips that we have and they really are incredible because they give you a real insight into the propaganda game that they're playing also in russia a lot of this is being used in russia to convince russians that america is you know in such a terrible state and that democracy is such a disaster so it's a two-front propaganda war and certainly it's interesting to see that there's all these you know a lot of these people aren't in town anymore Bowsman is not a uh, resident anymore in your part of the world there in Lancaster, is he carter and i spoke to michael edison hayden today who said that the uh properties the million dollars worth of properties that he bought in your area still haven't been sold uh they're just sitting there empty apparently
3: no oh, yeah he hasn't been in town recently i believe he still owns, owns the properties uh but yeah they might have some taxes due on i'm gonna need to check on that
0: that's really interesting <laughs> Um, maybe get you get a good all, deal. Yeah. Thank you to the three of you for being here tonight. I think it's been really interesting to be able to put, put these pieces together because, you know, a lot of people have never heard of Lozanski. I mean, I know I've been bugging you about him and you've been telling me about him for a long time. But the idea that, you know, he's maybe the central figure in all of this, it has not yet been revealed. And it's great that you and Patrick were able to do that. And that we can hear some of that here. And thank you, uh, Carter, for your work on the Jan 3 story and Gal Suburban, everyone can find it. What's your handle again, Gal?
1: Oh, the bad one? It's Mindfuck.
0: Okay. You said it. I didn't say it, so it's okay.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> Let's find everyone else's uh, handles and anything else you want to promote. Uh, Grant, why don't you go first? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern. Everything else you can find there. And Patrick uh, Simpson is at uh, Patrick Simpson, right? He's at Patrick L. L. Simpson. Simpson. Oh, great. Got it. That's right. And Carter, where can people find you and your work?
3: Yeah, I'm uh, at Carter LNP, and uh, people can find me in Lancaster Online, and at- hopefully they'll go out and support their own local newspaper.
0: Absolutely. It's so important that people do that at this time. Thank you all three of you for being here tonight. Uh, Michael may join us tomorrow, which will be great if he does, because he'll give us some more insight into Bausman as we'll look through some of these tapes that we've been able to find. And there is a great tape of Lazansky and Bausman together where you can really tell the relationship between uh, Lozanski and it's pretty, um Handler like, maybe. So, you know, we'll play that tomorrow as well as we look at all these different clues we're getting and media we're getting to help us understand the foreign operations that may have been involved not only in the elections of 2016 and in every subsequent election since then, but also maybe in January the 6th and in the coup attempt at the Capitol. <laughs> so that's the narrative for tonight. Thanks for being here tonight, everybody. And we'll see you again tomorrow night on narrative. So have a good night, everybody. Thanks for having me, sir. Thank you narrative is made possible by viewers like you join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative that's patreon.com forward slash narrative